You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. It's great to see all of you. Thank you guys. Hey, Deb. Uh, Those of you that are joining us online, whether you're watching this live, uh, you're listening to this podcast later, I just wanna say thanks for joining us. My name's Mel Massingale. I'm one of the pastors here at Summit Church. I also wanna welcome all of you that are joining us from our Summit Blairsville location. We love you guys, and we're so grateful that you've taken time to uh, grow your leadership and to try to just develop yourself. And so I'm hopeful that tonight we're gonna share some principles that will help you do better and help you grow your capacity a little bit. So thank you guys for joining. For those of you that are new to Leadership Night, basically what we do is we'll take uh, 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes and just talk through a leadership principle together and then we'll take the rest of our time just to unpack it and uh, do some Q&A. And so feel free to ask questions. And here's the thing, um, a familiar voice that's usually part of Leadership Night is Michael Bond, and Michael's not here tonight. And so, um, so usually Michael is Johnny on the spot with questions. So when we, hey, anybody have questions? When you are awkwardly trying not to be the first one, Michael, he doesn't mind being awkwardly the first one. So, uh, so he's not here tonight, so we're gonna need some of you guys to step up. And so be ready to ask some questions here in just a little bit. Uh, before we uh, jump into everything, let me just pray and we'll get going. So Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for every person that's here, every person that's watching, listening, all the people in in Blairsville today. I just pray your blessing on our time together. I pray that it would be fruitful. I pray that it would help us. And ultimately, I pray that it would help the people we come into contact with as well. So be glorified in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I announced, uh, well, before I get into tonight, let me just let you know this. Uh, Do you guys remember John Stanko? He was with us. Oh, maybe a year ago. And John did, uh, 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 I did an interview with John about purpose, essentially. John, this is what he has given his life to. He travels the world talking about purpose. Uh, he's written, a, I mean, he's, I think he's written 50 books. On, and a number of them are on this idea of purpose and helping people find their purpose. So John Stanko is gonna be with us next month uh, for leadership night, but not only that. So he'll be with us on March 6th. So mark your calendars to be with us that night. He's gonna be teaching. And then he'll also be with us March the 13th. That's the next Wednesday, so the second Wednesday. And the third Wednesday of the month, on March 20th, we're gonna have a night of worship as we are preparing for Easter and the Easter season. And then he'll be back with us on the 27th. So he's gonna be with us three Wednesdays in the month of March. And he's just gonna be doing a purpose seminar through the whole thing. And so I would really encourage you um, to, to mark your calendar, be here for that. We are gonna be streaming that, but I would encourage you, we're gonna keep the kind of the same format where we do about 30 minutes of teaching and then do some Q&A as well. Um, and so he'll be with us for three, three weeks in the month of March. I would encourage you, again, mark your calendar, invite some people to join you. Um, I would say this if John was standing here. I love John Stanko. You would not look at him and think he is cool and dynamic, but he is awesome. He's one of my favorite people. Um, he's gonna bring a lot of value to you and to your life. So make sure you're here for that um, starting March 6th. So I announced this last weekend that we were gonna be talking about uh, how to identify high capacity people. Because this is something I run into, whether I'm talking to churches that are very, very large, whether I'm talking to churches that are small, uh, if I'm talking to um, a person that has their own business and they've got five employees, 
or I'm talking to somebody who's an HR manager of a large corporation, they are all on the hunt for high capacity people. They all want the best possible person they could find. And they're looking for the secret sauce. They're looking for, um, you know, is there some edge we can get or whatever it might be? And so I just wanna share a few thoughts from, from my perspective, from my experience. Um, and, and then we'll just kind of walk through this together because I'm, I'm very fortunate and I'm very grateful and I'm biased, but we have an incredible team here at Summit. We have um, some really, really world-class leaders and we shouldn't. Um, some of you are um, leaders in your businesses or organizations or you own your own business in this community and you understand Indiana, Pennsylvania is not the easiest place to recruit um, high capacity people from other places because they look at Indiana and they think, um, well, uh, how many stoplights are in that town or how far are you from Target? That's a question I literally got asked one time as I was interviewing somebody about a position here and they said, how far is the nearest Target? We were trying to find one. It's, it's 50 minutes, 45 minutes in there. Oh, and you could tell, like that was a, that was a problem. So this is not an easy place to recruit to, so the margins are even tighter for us. And so we have to be very careful about who we're bringing in, but we still wanna bring in high capacity people. And so it's not even just about hiring. Um, even when we're looking at volunteers, sometimes we think, well, I can't be picky about volunteers. I actually had somebody uh, last, uh, let me think, two weeks ago, I was with a church out in Lancaster County and I was doing some coaching with their staff and one of the staff members raised their hand and they said, man, I've got this volunteer on my team and I'm really struggling and, and I, I don't know what to do because you can't fire a volunteer. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean by that? And he said, well, you can't fire a volunteer. And I was like, absolutely, you can fire a volunteer. That's okay, fire a volunteer, you know. And so we had to talk through this together, but there's some mentality about volunteers that we go, well, hey, um, we can't fire them. Uh, we gotta take whoever we can get. And usually when it comes to volunteers, we lower the standards so low that the, the main standard we're looking for is faithfulness. Will they show up when I need them to show up? And that is a terrible standard for volunteers. And so I want you to approach volunteers the same way we would approach staff. And so when we talk about staff, I just want you to think about it that way, whether it's unpaid volunteers that are leaders or you know functioning in roles like that on your team or whatever it might be. So I want this to be applicable no matter where we're at. So just as a general rule, if, if you've been around hiring, you've heard something like the three C's and we've talked about this before. So general rule for us when we're hiring people are the three C's and there's some deviation on, on how you would, how you would um, spell this out, but character is always my top C. If they don't have good character, I don't care about anything else. If they're not somebody I would trust to, um, to you know, watch my kids or to, feed my dog when I'm out of town, then I definitely don't wanna trust them with things that are more important. Um, so character is the top thing. Chemistry, and chemistry is just do they get along with the other people in our organization? Not just do they not cause problems, but do people actually like them? Do they wanna hang out? And this is a standard for me if I'm trying to identify the health of an organization is, hey, do the people that work together want to hang out outside of work together at all? Are they looking for opportunities to spend time together? And because that's not a deal breaker necessarily, but a lot of times we lower the standard to, are they gonna cause a problem in our organization? But I think we need to raise the standard to, hey, are they gonna add value to our organization? Are they gonna be somebody that helps 
Uh, the other people get along better? Are they gonna create, help create good chemistry? So character, chemistry, and then the last one is either uh, competency or capacity. And tonight we're looking at capacity, how to find high capacity people. Um, and so you need to know, are they good character? Uh, do they get along with the people? Are they gonna help our culture? And then the last one is, can they do the job we need them to do? Because no matter how much you like them, uh, no matter how good their character is, if they can't do the job, then they shouldn't have the job. And so that's true, whether it's for volunteers or for paid staff. So let me just share a few thoughts with you when it comes to identifying high capacity people, uh, no matter what your organization is. Um, high capacity people want to understand the mission. So I'm in the process of interviewing right now for a, a few roles here at our church. And... Um, and this is a deal breaker for me. If I talk to somebody, especially after the first call, if I've had a conversation with them and we're on a second conversation and I ask the question, what questions do you have for me about me or organization? If they say, oh, I think I'm good, that's probably the end of our conversation. That's probably gonna mean I am not interested in moving forward with them. And that sounds heartless, but the reason is because I believe high capacity leaders are people that are looking at our website and they're watching our services. They're trying to get to know our organization. And as they're doing that, um, they're asking probing questions. They're not just asking questions about how much am I gonna get paid if I get this job? They're asking questions about, man, I wanna understand the culture of your organization. I wanna understand the mission and what you guys are trying to do because what they're really trying to figure out is how do I fit into that? Um, because they're not really just looking for a job, they're looking for an opportunity. And that is the difference between somebody who's trying to occupy space and collect a paycheck and somebody who is really looking to, uh, to make a difference. And so high, high capacity people are gonna stalk you uh, before an interview. Um, they're, gonna, they're gonna know a lot about you and it's important. Um, I used to, when I was a headhunter, I used to coach my job seekers and I would tell them, you need to have five good questions about their organization laid out. And it can't be like, well, how'd you come up with your colors on the website? Like, nope, that does not count. That's not a good one. But um, hey, tell me about, you know, I, I read this about the founding of your company and what made the founder decide to, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I would be impressed as a hiring manager to hear a question like that because it tells me they care about this. They're investing in this. And so that's one of the things I look for whenever I'm talking to people about opportunities is are they asking good questions? Because high capacity leaders are asking good questions. And that's true for me as well. Um, if I'm not asking good questions, it's probably because I've gotten a little flat in my leadership uh, because I've gotten a little less curious. I've gotten accustomed to answering things and talking instead of asking questions. And I'm better when I'm asking more questions. So high capacity people, um, they put a, a premium on excellent results. And those excellent results happen whenever they're asking good questions and they're getting the information they need to figure out, hey, am I a good fit with this organization? Um, one of the things I love about high capacity leaders in the context of mission is that they, they're gonna meet your expectations as they meet their expectations. So they are less concerned about what do you expect and they're more concerned about, hey, I know what I need to be and what I need to become or do to function well. And usually a high capacity person, when they understand the mission and vision, uh, they were going to, they're gonna blow through your expectations. And we'll talk about that in a minute uh, because they're on the way to their expectations a lot of times. Uh, low capacity people, um, well, to be honest with you, they, they end up, 
usually not even fulfilling their job description, but you usually end up having to take stuff off their plate uh, because they're not functioning the way they need to. And again, I think part of this is uh, what kind of questions they're asking. And I love, I love, I love the, the process of interviewing people because it's not just about the, the answers they're giving, but it's about the questions they're asking as well. So if I'm talking to somebody and I say, hey, what questions do you have for me? And they say something like this, um, tell me about how uh, one of your staff relates to you. If they've got a problem, how do they, if they're asking that question, that tells me they've probably had that issue in their organization. Like they've probably had a problem relating to their, their leader, talking to their boss about a problem they may have. And so that gives me a clue as to what's going on with them. And so the questions are really, really important the questions they're asking. And so if they're not asking good questions, that tells me that they may not be high capacity. So that's the first thing. High capacity people wanna understand the mission. Number two, high capacity people promote excellence. And this sounds generic, but, um, but man, high capacity people, it's amazing how much better high capacity people are um, to work with because they make other people that aren't necessarily high capacity, higher capacity. A good person, an A-plus person on a B team will make that B team an A team. It's amazing. And so for me, I wanna make sure uh, that we're putting the right people in place and the way we see that, and we've talked about this in the past, the best, the best indicator of future performance is past performance. So, hey, tell me a circumstance where maybe you were part of a team that wasn't doing well and you helped the team get better. Uh, that's a question I would ask someone. And because I want to know, how did you perform in the past? What is it you were doing in the past that made the teams better? Um, so, yeah, I want to look at, are they promoting excellence on the teams they're in? Are they helping their teams get better? Uh, and again, we'll talk about this idea in a moment, but not just them, but the people around them. How are they promoting organizational or team or departmental success? Um, because it's possible for one person to impact a whole department or a whole organization or a whole company or whatever it might be. Um, one of the things I love about high capacity people is, uh, is they will raise their own bar of excellence. They don't need somebody cracking the whip on them. Low capacity people, you have to hold their hands and you have to tell them what to do. Um, we've had people around here, not often, but especially we've had interns, especially that they will do a task and then they'll disappear and you'll be like, Hey, where, what, what's, and you'll find them. Hey, what's going on? They go, oh, well, I finished that. What are you doing now? I'm just hanging out. It's like, oh, uh, wait a second. And what they're telling me is I'm low capacity. I'm gonna do exactly what you tell me to do, when you tell me to do it, how you tell me to do it. A high capacity person does not need that. A high capacity person is going to say, hey, tell me what you need done. And they're gonna do it and exceed expectations. They're gonna do more than what you ask. They're the person that's gonna show up early, not five minutes late. They're the person who's gonna... Um, they're gonna dress nicer than that what you're expecting them to dress. They're gonna treat the clients better than what you expect them to treat because it's not an external force that's making them do that. It's something internal in them. Um, low capacity people need an external force. They need somebody to say, if you don't get better, you're gonna get fired. Or um, if you don't show up on time, right? And we know those people, some of you have those people on your teams, uh, but a high capacity person is making uh, the organization better and they're promoting excellence all the way around. All right, number three, high capacity people find solutions. This kind of goes along with the previous one. Um, high capacity people are focused on finding solutions, not reporting problems. 
our best staff here in, in, in my life as I've had staff in the past are not the ones, uh, I had lots of staff that were good at coming to me and saying, hey Mel, I need to tell you something. All right, what's going on? This happened. This disaster is going on. This blew up, uh, whatever it might be. Okay, what are we doing about it? I don't know, I just wanted to tell you. You needed to know. That is correct, I needed to know. Um, here, I've been here long enough now, most of our staff understands that if t they're telling me about a problem, I'm gonna ask them, what are we doing about that? What have we done to solve the problem? And, uh, and we've got a great team that by and large, when they tell me something's wrong, they're already like their next sentence. Hey, here's what happened. Here's what we're doing to take care of it. Um, so I've mentioned Michael. Michael's not here tonight. So I'm gonna brag on him because he's not here. But Michael's our production director. And so Michael knows if something's wrong with our live stream or the stream to Blairsville or something's going on, I'm gonna wanna know. I don't wanna find out about it on Thursday as we're talking about things. I wanna know about it earlier. And I will tell you, uh, the whole time we've had him here, he's never come to me and said, Mel, here's a problem, you gotta fix this. Every time, he'll bring me solutions. He'll say, Mel, we had an issue with this, but I've already looked into it. I think if we just do this, it'll solve the problem. We don't ever have to worry about it again. All right, let's go do that. Um, because Michael understands that he wants to offer solutions and not just problems. And this is what high capacity leaders do. Again, as you're trying to find these people, these are questions you can be asking. Hey, what was the... Tell me about a total disaster in your previous job. Um, what did you do to solve that disaster? How did you guys overcome that? And just listen to their response, uh, what they did or how they did it, or did they just hand it to somebody else to try to fix the problem? So high capacity, people find solutions. Uh, and the fact is low capacity people, they just, <laughs> they lack um, an action orientation, if that makes sense. Uh, there are some people, and there are some people that their default action or their default orientation is action. I'm going to do something. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to fix this, whatever it might be. And, and in my experience, low capacity people, their default orientation is inaction. Okay, there's a problem. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to hide or I'm going to bury my head in the sand or I'm going to hope that this will go away or whatever it might be. Um, so high capacity people find solutions. Number four. Um, high capacity people exceed expectations. I mentioned this earlier. Um, to truly be a high potential team member, um, they're, gonna, they're gonna focus on not being good, but they're gonna focus on being great. They're gonna do everything they can to exceed expectations because like I said, their expectations are so much higher than what the organizational expectations are. Um, and so it's important to, to identify those people and be able to align them up with what you're doing because they're gonna make everybody around them better. Uh, because they're driven to succeed, they're gonna stay true to their values and they're gonna be more than willing to go the extra mile in order to advance the mission and vision of the organization. Low capacity people, they, they tend to live in the status quo um, and they need you to push them toward progress. So we all have had people on our teams that, um, that you've adjusted your expectations based on them, where you go, all right, let's just lower the standard a little bit. And they'll be, I guess I'll just have to live with mediocrity with this. Um, and, and I just, I personally am under the, the opinion, the conviction that I would rather have nobody in place than a mediocre or bad somebody in place 
because I feel like that sends a message to your team as well. If I put up with a mediocre performer, somebody who's just okay, um, it gets in the water. And the people that are high performers see that and they're like, well, why do we put up with this? And it sounds competitive, it sounds mean-spirited to say it that way, but there's something about that that is demoralizing for a team. And so I think part of our responsibility as, as leaders or department leaders, whatever it is you're leading, is to say, hey, we're either gonna raise the standard or maybe we might have to offload some people. We might have to exit some people and say, hey, um, I'm sorry, because at the end of the day, you're actually better with some holes in your team um, when you help some of the medium capacity, mediocre um, producers exit your organization. Okay, that sounds really mean. We can talk about how to fire people later. Anyway, um, number five, high capacity people will consistently outperform others. And especially in, in our organization, I mean, we're a church, we're a nonprofit. It's not about competing. It's not about outdoing. Um, but I will tell you this, and this is something we've talked a little bit about in the past as well. Um, high performance is contagious. So when somebody is doing really well, it, it, it's amazing how the rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, when somebody's doing well, it, it calls others to do well. It causes other people to go, okay, wait a second, they've raised their game and I know I'm lagging, so let's go, let's get a little better. Um, so high capacity people will consistently outperform others. So let me just outline this. The first part of that is consistently. Um, you want people who are consistent. And here's the problem. A lot of times we will get people who are consistent, but they're not consistently good. And so we get consistent. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier. In the church, we will call people faithful. We'll say, hey, they're, really, they're very faithful. They show up every Sunday and they serve in this position. But it's like, what are they doing a good job? And if they're not doing a good job, they're super consistent, but we need them to be less consistent. We need them to be um, inconsistently bad instead of consistently bad, right? We'd like them to mix in some good once in a while. And in your organization, it's the same way. Uh, you might have somebody who's super consistent, but if they're not consistently good, it's a problem. And so the key is to go, hey, we need somebody who's not just showing up, who's not just punching a time card, getting into the office most of the time, and they're not killing us too bad, but hey, they're consistent, but are they consistently good? So when somebody is consistently outperforming others, what I mean when I say that is um, they win well. So I was thinking about it in terms of like a sales organization. So sales organizations the win is clearly defined, it's money. Are you generating revenue for the organization? That's the, the clear win in sales organizations. Now, the stereotype of a salesman is cutthroat. It's uh, the movies like, um, you might have seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, or something like that, where they're just selling timeshares and the, you know, like the sleazy salesman, that's what we think of. And the sleazy salesman is cutthroat, he's gonna do whatever he needs to do to get his sales, to take care of himself, and that's not what I'm talking about. You're, that person is winning, but they're not winning well. So when I'm talking about winning well, what I mean is somebody who wins, but not at the expense of the people around them. They're winning, but they're actually helping the organization win as well. Um, because a lot of people can win personally. A lot of people can succeed at their job while the rest of the organization is struggling. Years ago, years ago, I was youth pastoring at a church in Austin, Texas. And it's actually where... Uh, where Pastor Colin and Alicia were part of my youth ministry. And our youth ministry was growing, but our church was declining. And we were in a rough part of Austin, um, historically strong church, 
but the neighborhood has changed all around this church. And so people were driving 40 minutes to come to the church. Their friends didn't wanna come to church with them because it was in a rough part of town. And so the church was struggling. But the thing is, the youth ministry was killing it. We were doing great. And arrogantly, as the youth pastor, I thought, I don't know what these fools are doing, man. Like, I, I know what I'm doing. We're doing well. I don't know why they're struggling. And I would have never said that to anybody, but that's how I felt in my heart. And I wasn't winning well. I was winning, but I wasn't winning well because the organization wasn't doing well. But I felt like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part. And if we're not careful, we end up onboarding people who know how to win, but they don't know how to win well. They've been very successful individually. They've killed sales goals. They've achieved, but they haven't really made anybody else better. And what I want and what I wanna see at a high capacity people is that they know how to consistently outperform others by winning well. That they're winning, but they're helping others win as well. Um, some of the best people I've ever hired were people who won, but they didn't win well. And those are people that ultimately uh, can't stay in a, in a healthy culture, a healthy organization. Um, Here's the problem with high capacity people. Let me just add this in here too. The problem with high capacity people is if you had to add a high capacity person to a low capacity team, um, they can help the team, but they're gonna get really frustrated because they want to move, they wanna go, and they are a Formula One driver, they're, they're a NASCAR driver, and they've got a 2001 Jeep Cherokee, okay? <laughs> Some of you get that reference. Um, my Jeep, um, I told somebody the other day, it goes zero to 60 sometimes, okay? Um, and if you put a NASCAR driver in it, they're gonna be so frustrated because they are used to going fast and acceleration and power and all those things, and they're not getting it out of that vehicle. And so when you put a high capacity person with a low capacity team, they're gonna get frustrated uh, unless you're putting things in place to help the team grow and get better. So that, that high capacity person can bring the game up of the people around them, but you've got to set the tone and set the stage for them to do that. So those are my five, um, five high, things to look for in high capacity leaders. Uh, as I was thinking through some of the high capacity people I've hired in my life and had on my teams, um, these are some things that were kind of common threads. And these are things that sometimes you get lucky and like discover plutonium, but usually you have to look for it. You know, sometimes you'll strike gold, but normally you've got to look for it. And so these are just some of the things I would encourage you to look for. Because there might be some people in your organization who are like this, but they're just miscast in the wrong place. And because they're in the wrong place, they're underperforming. They're, they're high capacity, but they're just asked to do something less. And as a result, they're doing something less. Uh, but there's a level of frustration there, whatever it might be. And so I would encourage you to start looking for these things in your current organization where you're at because you might be surprised at some of the high capacity people you already have on your team, but you just don't even know it. So that's what I got. Um, let's open it up. And I don't even know, Todd, do we have any way of connecting with uh, Blairsville to get any questions from them or anything? Colin, Pastor Colin. So yeah, I'll open it up and let you guys ask some questions and we'll open it up to the room as well for uh, questions. Yeah, we got one right down here, Todd. Are you running the mic? I'm sorry. Pastor Todd, thanks for doing that tonight. Or, yeah, right here. Which of the qualities that you listed or discussed yeah. do you think are learned versus just innate characteristics of a person? I think... And I would love to hear some feedback from you guys too. Uh, I think all of these can be learned. 
I think some of them probably come a little more naturally to people than others, but I think all of these things are things people can learn. Um, because if we're gonna be honest, we drift to mediocrity. We, dr- we don't drift to being in better shape. We have to work to be in better shape, right? And so even like spiritually, emotionally, mentally, we drift to the ditch. And so I think with enough work, any of us can function in these ways, but some of them come a little more naturally than others, in my opinion. So I think, yeah, anybody can develop this stuff if they're willing to. Um, I don't think there's, it's magic. But yeah, anybody have any thoughts on that? I'd love to hear your feedback on that too and your experience. Are some of these things innate or can you feel like you can learn these things? Let's go, let's go Travis and Andrew. Um, I think they can be learned. Um, in some instances, high capacity people, I think you can sort of see it from the examples that you have around you, mm-hmm. um, even before you're in a position where you're, you're you know, at, at, the, at an age or at a part of your life where you're going to, to be out producing yeah. um, in that way. Um, so a lot of times I think it's the example or the examples that you um, have for yourself is, is how you can, you can develop those, mm-hmm. uh, those characteristics. Yeah, yeah, let's go to Andrew next. And I'll say this, um, a lot of high capacity leaders or, or high capacity performers are waiting for somebody to, uh, to come to them and say, I think you're a high capacity performer. I think there's more in you than what you're doing. Um, almost no high capacity people that I've ever been around did that independently. Most all of them needed somebody to go, hey, I see something in you. You know, I believe this could be your future. Hey, walk with me, come with me, whatever it might be. So yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking, um, it, it also comes from the communication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which in my head, I'm kind of wrestling with, uh, similar to the, the, the first question was, is, this, is it simply black and white? right? Is, are they a high capacity or are they not? Or are they low capacity? No. Or is it something that you can change a low capacity to a high capacity over time through, you know, coaching, through talking them through? And yeah. I think the most important thing uh, is to allow them to learn from their failures mm-hmm. and not, you know, demonize them or not, you know, put them down because of it. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, John Maxwell talks a lot about that principle of, of you know, growing someone. And, and I don't remember exactly how he puts it, but he basically talks about, hey, somebody might be a two of 10 and they could become a four of 10, but they're probably never gonna be a 10 of 10. So just have good awareness of where they're at and where they could be. And, um, and I think there's some balance there where it's what you were saying. We don't just go, well, this person's never performed, they'll never be able to do it. But I think having a good expectations for them, you know, and part of that comes back to us as leaders. And I've told our staff, we gotta be real careful when it comes to ministry because people put a lot into our words. So if I sit with somebody and I say, I think God's calling you into ministry. For some people, if I say that to them, that's as good as if God said it to them. So I've gotta be careful about that. Um, but the opposite is true too. So if I say, man, I don't think you have the capacity to ever do whatever it is, then it's, it's a death sentence for them. And so I think I wanna be able to communicate um, good expectations and stretch them. And, but also I think back to those people, those poor people that are on 
um, American Idol every year. They can't sing a lick, but somebody lied to them. Like, we don't do them a, a favor by lying to them and go, you know what, you could go, you could be the president of this company someday. No, they couldn't probably, but we're setting them up and anyway. So I think just it, communicating expectations well, something that's realistic, but maybe a stretch. Um, and I think you can take somebody who's low capacity and, and turn the dial. But if somebody truly is low capacity, I don't know if they can truly be high capacity. Uh, on the other end of that, somebody who's high capacity definitely can be low capacity. Because um, I've seen lots of people who had had lots of potential, but they had no drive, no stamina, no heart, no character. And because of that, it didn't matter how much potential they had or how, how much capacity they had, they're, they're low capacity. Does that make sense? Yeah, good question. So after this, we have a question from Blairsville and yeah. one from Facebook, so. Okay. All right, yes, sir. so I have a question. This is all talking on this thing. All right, so I'm not a, all right, so I'm a high capacity worker. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything that I do, I drive truck, and I'm also in a machine shop. Yeah. Those are the two things that I do in a high capacity. I'll go in early in the morning when there's nobody there. And whenever I walk out at the end of the night, I'm the last person walking out. Yeah. You know, I put in more hours. Mm -hmm. And if you ask me to do a task, you're going to get it. If there's anything screwed up, I'm going to repair it before I even tell you about it. And there's no respect for us anymore in like a whole bunch of companies. It's like you'll get this big company and it grows and they have no respect for you and they just expect it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't understand the reason that that happens. I guess I'm on the other end of, you know, a majority yeah. of people here. No, not necessarily. I think there are a lot of people that are in similar places you are. Because I think we've got some people that are hiring managers or bosses or owners, but then we've got people that are leading a team of two people or, you know, we got people in all different places. So don't worry about that. Um, and... Anybody want to speak to what he's talking about? Yeah. Let's run over here and uh, Chucky will speak to that. You, you put your hand up fast. <laughs> so I think um, that accepting mediocrity mm -hmm. is just as dangerous as expecting exceeded expectations. So if you expect everyone on your team to exceed expectations, um, as the normal and you don't express gratitude for that, mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's just as dangerous as, yeah. as accepting mediocrity. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, and I think at some point, there's a tipping point in an organization when people go, man, I'm not being, I'm not being appreciated. I'm not being valued. You're giving me a paycheck. And, and, and to be fair, a lot of employers look at things like that. Hey, I'm telling you, I appreciate you every Friday when you collect your paycheck. That's how much I appreciate you. And so for you, I think I would just decide hey, am I a good fit with this organization? Am I, I'm, I'm putting in the hours, but am I just a cog in the wheel? And then you have to reconcile whether that's something you can do or whether you feel like you're supposed to be in an organization where you can be helping the people around you and you, you do feel appreciated and, you know, that's good. Yeah, Aaron? I was gonna say too, I, I worked in a position for a while where it just didn't seem like anybody recognized my hard work and, but God sees your hard work and he's, he's glorified through that. And so, you know, like Mel said, maybe you have to consider what your options are, but also like maybe God's building you up for something that's in your future. And so mm -hmm. just continuing in hard work, even though no one sees it could be for something in your future. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you're here. That's cool. 
That's good. You said we had uh, yeah. Online. So let's we have do, a question. Yeah, let's yeah. Do Blairsville first, so that we can. Yep. Yeah, okay. Good. So this is from our friends in Blairsville. How do you help your high capacity person once they are discouraged by joining a low capacity team? <laughs> any any feedback on that? Because I saw some body language in the room when we were talking about that. When I was talking about a low high capacity on a low capacity team. So does anybody want to speak to that? How do you help somebody when they're discouraged? Uh, personally, it's all about communication, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, letting them know that you understand that they may, they may naturally outperform the, the other people on that team. Mm -hmm. um, and working with them to formulate a plan. Um, it's like you said, that you have to have things in place to help that team grow mm -hmm. um, as they adjust to uh, operating at a level close to or what your high capacity leader on that team is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all about communication and having a plan um, and encouraging those people to, to grow with the team and not just ride on the coattails of the person who's, you know, typically used to doing the lion's share of the work and mm -hmm. they're secretly frustrated and, yeah. um, and coming to you venting about it and, and not getting anywhere. So that communication and that base plan going in of this is what needs to be accomplished. These are baby steps. Yeah. that we're gonna take. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, and I mean, not to be condescending, when my kids were little and they wanted to help me, or they, maybe they didn't wanna help me. I, they were with me, Kim was out, and I would say, hey, who wants, to help, who wants to help dad with the garage? Hey, I'm gonna be working in the garage, would you help me with this? And again, not that we're gonna approach a grown adult that way and be like, you wanna be my helper? You know, that's <laughs> ridiculous. But I think there's something empowering about going, hey, you know where you sit on this team and man, I need your help. And man, I'm so grateful that you're leading the way in your performance and how you're doing this. We just need some time and we're gonna help bring the team along. And, and I think just helping them see, I see where you're at, I know how you're feeling. And this is why we brought you here was to help us make this team better. I think that helps too. So yeah, any other thoughts on that? Trev's got something. Thanks, Todd. Um, maybe even increase their responsibilities mm -hmm. or give them some kind of new challenge that, you know, helps to, to grow them in, in their capacity yeah. and also, you know, helps to bring the team along also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. Maybe just something with a, an extra kind of challenge to it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. All right, well, uh, we'll grab one from Facebook here. All right. Uh, how do you get a sense of a high capacity person if maybe they're going to be in a new position um, where they'll be able to affect a solution? So maybe they've never had a chance to have a voice before. So how do you, how do you get a sense of someone's capacity in a new role? It's, it's, it's and you don't always have the past performance to rely on, like in that case they're describing. And so to some degree, you have to look at the three things we talked about at the beginning, character, uh, um, um, character, um, community, and the uh, capacity. Like, okay, hey, they're good with the team. Okay, they're people of high character. And I think they'll fit well because here's some of the similar things I've seen them do or, you know. And so I think sometimes you have to wing it. You have to go from your gut and go, man, I just feel like this is a good fit. Uh, and I've done that before. And I feel like we've seen some success in that. So I don't, you're, it's never gonna be a perfect science. It's never gonna be flawless because um, I've told people, even in marriage, you get married, but there's still, 
It's not 100%, you know, and it sounds terrible. I, I remember two days before my wedding, talking to my dad, and I'm, I'm stupid, 22-year-old, what do I know? I'm, I'm an idiot. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, I just can't imagine, what am I gonna be talking to Kim about in 15 years? Are we gonna have anything to talk about? And he kind of chuckled like, you moron, right? Um, and so I didn't know for sure, but you go, yeah, let's go, I believe. And so I think it's, in some ways it's kind of the same thing where you go, I don't know for sure, this might be a disaster, but yeah. Yeah, so here's another one from Facebook. Uh, high capacity individuals are, are often in high demand mm -hmm. and they can make leaders feel like they're in a competition. Any strategies for dealing with a competitive situation? Leaders feel like they're in competition. Oh, and I know you don't know this because you're reading that. I wonder if they're talking, to, and maybe you can interpret this for me. Uh, are they talking about like competing leaders that are working to get their, like them on the team? Is that the way I should interpret that? Oh, okay. That's, that's the my interpretation feels, okay, of it. Gotcha. Yeah, a leader gotcha. feeling threatened, maybe. Let, let me open it back up to the, the group. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? You onboard a high-capacity person, and now a leader feels threatened by that person? Anybody have any solutions for that? In my experience, I, I guess I would say that if you put a high-capacity person in place and the leader feels threatened, one of two things need to happen is, one, that leader needs to step up his game. So like you were talking about earlier mm -hmm. before, a high-capacity person will pull everybody with them. Mm -hmm. um, or two, it's a sign that that leader was not meant to be in that <laughs> position. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, and I think leaders should be secure enough to say, I'm not the expert at all of these things. And I think uh, I'm not the best leader in the world, but I'm smart enough to know that um, Todd knows music way better than I do. So why in the world would I tell Todd how to do music? Because he's been trained on it. He's an expert in it. Now I can give him instructions on some parameters for that, but at the end of the day, um, I need to be secure enough to go, yeah, he's the expert, I am not. Or I would never... I've never been on the stage for any of our women's conferences. Do you know why? Because although I've got three women in my house, I know nothing about women. And so why in the world would I think I should be an expert? You know, so Kim runs that, good for her. I don't need her to acknowledge me from stage. And so I think there is something about, man, if you're in a leadership position, you need to learn to be secure enough to not be the expert on everything. And when you feel that tension, like, oh my gosh, this person is, pushing me because they are a stud, they're an all-star and I'm feeling insecure. That's where we just need to reconcile that and deal with that. So that's, yeah, good feedback, Andrew. So we got a, another question from- well, well, let me hold up one okay. second. Hey, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it back over to our friends in Blairsville. That All way right. it gives them time to, gives you guys some time to do some Q&A there as well. But thank you guys for joining us today. We're gonna keep talking here in the room. And for those of you that are watching online, uh, stick around, we're gonna continue. So go ahead, Todd. Uh, the person who asked the question about a comp competition says, no, not that. Like dealing okay. with counter offers. From, oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay, that was what I was thinking initially. Yeah. It's hard. It's, that's really hard. So I just wanna reset it. So uh, competition for high capacity peoples is high. 
And so what do you do when the person you want is, there's a bidding war, essentially. Yeah. And that's the thing. You've got to know your budget. You've got to know what you can stick with. Uh, and there are times that we've exceeded our budget when I felt like, man, this person is going to be the difference maker for us. You know, like we weren't prepared to do this, but we're going to do it because this person's going to move the needle. But for the most part, that's where we have to get more creative because, um, because of where we're at. We're in Indiana, Pennsylvania, because we don't pay at the top of the scale. Um, we have to be creative about how we're finding our people. And so, you know, we talked last month or two months ago, talked about finding people in creative places. And, um, and so that's where we've had to resort to some of that stuff. And so I think, you know, Kenny Rogers knew what he was saying. You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. So, um, but yeah, I don't mind that. And here's the thing. I think if you're a hiring manager or you're a boss, you should try to get the best people possible. I mean, absolutely, go for that. And you're gonna miss sometimes, but I would rather miss the best people than get all of the mediocre people. So I would rather have that problem. So what if you have an employee who has performed at a high capacity, but has become complacent and you've tried to encourage them, but they just aren't performing at their capacity anymore. What's the best way to encourage them without sounding critical? That's a great question. Who wants to feel that one? Because I know for sure some of you have dealt with this in your organization, so... How do you deal with that? I mean, for me, it's, it's again, the communication thing. Talk to them. Because if they're dropping out of the high capacity, nine times out of 10, there's something outside that is pulling them down. Mm-hmm. And one, they're not comfortable about talking about it at work or at, in their situation mm-hmm. because it's not something in their, their work life or in their situation. Yeah. So the second you give them uh, a place to discuss and talk about it and let them feel free to be open, it's almost like unlocking a door. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel relieved about it. Yeah. And over time, you might be able to guide them, give them outside uh, uh, guidance uh, to help them, and then over time, that will help them come back to their high capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Most of the time when I've seen people drop off, it's usually because something else is going on. And so uh, in a healthy organization, you can have those conversations uh, because you've already set the groundwork for, I care about you more than I care about your performance. Like, obviously, you need to perform, but I care about you as a human being. I care about you as a dad or as a mom or as a, you know, I care about that stuff. And so hopefully you've earned the credibility to be able to come alongside them and go, man, I've seen this change. What's going on in you? Are you okay? Is there something we can do? Um, because it might be something like that. And I also have seen circumstances where they've just gotten bored. They're basically like, okay, well, I've done all this and they need some new challenge or some new, you know, something like that. But yeah, I think, I think what you said is accurate. It's important to be able to speak into them. So at the very beginning of your talk, you said that when you stop asking good questions, it's because you've lost your sense of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do to reignite curiosity? Hmm. What do you do to reignite curiosity? That's a good question. Um, thoughts on that one? I'm asking you because I need to buy some time. So. <laughs> what do you do to reignite curiosity? Justin. 
I think surrounding yourself with people that you can look up to and talk to and have professional conversations from a leadership standpoint or mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes reignite something, you know, coming here, reignite something. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with, with people you aspire to be or not necessarily the person you aspire to be, yeah. but an organization that you see thriving. Mm-hmm. How did that person, how did that happen? It has to happen some way. And the more that I talk to other leaders, the more interested I am and the more curious I become in, well, what is, you know, what is my limit? Have we even touched it yet? Mm-hmm. Are we, are we, have we exceeded it? Uh, you know, and I, yeah. I don't think the high capacity, I will say this. I don't think that my experience has been that not every high capacity person is a great uh, team player. And sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, Correct. you know, that dynamic is, it's not just the only qualification that I think should be considered, but mm-hmm. um, you know, when we're, when we're in conversation with each other, I think that, that, we're not defined by a job description. I don't mm-hmm. know any high-performing person that said, I'm not going to do more because that's not my job description. Right. So a lot of times, if you have somebody who really wants to, to thrive, even challenging them to, well, let's expand the vision a little bit. I know that your job description is this, but is there something we could do in the community? Mm-hmm. Is, there a, is there a program that we could start that nobody's even thought of before? Yeah. And just expanding an opportunity outside of a job description, I think will let, I know this, it, it lets high-performing people add additional value to their current position. Yeah. Because sometimes we need people on a line making widgets. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very important. But there's not a lot of probably personal growth in doing repetitive things over and over, even if it's high value. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you expand that person to say, you know, you're more than this, and you yeah. know that, and I know that, this is your job description, but what more can we do to add value to this moment in your life to, for everybody's benefit? Yeah. You know, if they embrace it, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's really good. I love, I love that idea of just uh, being around high capacity people. Like just, man, there's something really valuable. Um, I've mentioned Gerald Brooks before. He's been with us several times here at the church and he's got a great leadership podcast. Um, but one of the things Gerald told me a long time ago, we spent a few years that he was my, he was my executive coach. And Gerald told me, he said, Mel, I pay thousands of dollars to be in the room with the right people. And he said, so, I mean, literally, I'll spend tens of thousands of dollars just to be in a room with somebody for a couple of days and hear what they have to say and just be in their proximity. And he said, you don't have to do that. There are lots of really great leaders that you can be with for free. So you should do that as much as you can. And I've thought about that a lot. And it goes back to what you're just saying. Like, man, who am I in the room with? Who, who am I getting lunch with? Who am I spending time with? Who am I learning from and growing from? You know, those kind of things. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right. So I, all right, so once again, like I'm from the other end, mm-hmm. you know, like the high capacity. All right, so you'll have some guys, like I've worked with guys and myself and stuff like that where, you're doing all this extra and let's say like you make $25 an hour and you spend all your time there and you know, you do everything for the company and they're hiring new guys in for 24 straight off the street, straight out of school. It's extremely disrespectful to your other guys who make a dollar more, like $2 more. And they've put like years into that place to build it mm-hmm. towards at a point where they're able to hire more people. So I don't know, like, if if I'm here to help you guys out who are in the <laughs> hire spot, but, like... What he's saying is pay your you people better. To, That's what he's saying. Yeah, like, you haven't, no. haven't stuck it out for that long. Yeah. Everything for you, you know, to where you're 
yeah. Well, and, and I'll say this from the hiring perspective, for a lot of positions, the, the market dictates what you, what you pay. And for, from your perspective, I would encourage you to have conversations with your boss and go, hey, listen, um, I, I like my job. I like being here. I like being part of the organization, but is there any way we could do a little better? And, you know, here, I build, build your case. I've been here this long and I, I like being here, but here's what I see. So I know a lot of companies, they have, uh, and, and depending on the size of the organization, they've got advocates, you know, maybe it's HR that functions in that advocate role, but, um, but that might be something that you could explore there too. Well, not always. Not, sometimes, but not always. not always. What else? Go to Aaron. I was gonna ask, like, how do you help uh, high capacity team members and leaders set good boundaries? Because I notice a lot of times they can be like a tractor beam for other people's ideas and agendas and that leads to like overwhelm. Um, help flesh that out a little for me, if you don't mind, Aaron. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? When Just you... like someone who has the capacity to solve problems, somebody yeah. who has the capacity to affect change. Yeah. So Other now everybody starts just coming kind to them. Of like bring everything to them. Yeah. Thoughts? I mean, I think if uh, if you're that person's direct report, if you're their boss, their lead, you know, you're the one that's leading that team that they're on. Uh, that part of our responsibility as a leader is to protect our people. And so I would say that as a leader, if, if, that was, if I was in that position and people were coming to someone who was on my team because they were high capacity and stretching them too thin, then it's my role and my job as the leader to go to the other leaders and say, hey, I, I understand why you're coming, but we're putting too much on you know, you got to stop. You can't do that. That's not within their purview. It's not within their role. Mm -hmm. um, if there's some things that you need help with, maybe we can figure something else out, but we can't keep putting stuff on John or, you know, whoever. Yeah, yeah I, th I think there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, and I think those people are, I mean, there's a reason that people go to them and say, hey, what do you think? And hey, I need your help with this. And because they're probably offering value. And so... There might even be something organizationally where you can go, hey, there might be a, we can adjust, um, we can adjust the, the uh, job description a little bit to help facilitate some of that. And maybe we move your role a little bit or take some things off your plate if that's an area that they're thriving in. And maybe you don't have the capacity to be able to do that. But I like what Todd said is you start there is to go, hey, let's protect this. Let's remember what you're hired to do and let's do that. And then, if we can find some ways to create space for this other thing, we will. But if not, then we still have to do this. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that as well. Um, but I've run into the opposite problem where the high-capacity person is kind of bored. Mm -hmm. And so they seek out other projects that are more oh, yeah. interesting to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that same thing where, like, this is your role. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I probably have seen that more too. And that makes sense. Um, and yeah, I think that's where you just have open conversations and dialogue about, hey, and you've done well with this and I see you doing these other things and we can expand some of your role a little bit and this might be good for you and the organization. And 
And it's a nice way of saying, if you've got so much time to be doing these other things, let's give you some more work to do. So <laughs> that's good. Any other questions? Yeah. You guys have done great. We didn't need Michael Bond tonight. Um, so I have my own kind of thought on this, but what in your experience with the great experience in this room um, is the most common area of opportunity that you see for high capacity people? What's something that you have consistently seen or most commonly seen that they should work on um, to, I guess, function in their role, not get burnt out, to, yeah. to, to not fall off the edge? Well, let's start with you. I mean, you said you had a thought on that. I'd like to hear your thought on that. Uh, from my experience, it's teaching them when to say no or encouraging them mm -hmm. to say no. Mm -hmm. um, because any high capacity person is going to want to do the most good, is going to mm -hmm. want to affect the most change. Um, but sometimes they'll do it at the expense of their own well-being mm -hmm. um, or at the expense of time with their families. And, you know, they're not able to prioritize what they should be because they don't feel comfortable yeah. saying no. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good answer. And, and, I, and I'd love to hear some feedback from you guys. I think it's different. I think you can be high capacity in so many different ways um, that it's all gonna lend itself to different weaknesses or different dangers. And so I don't know if there would be one thing where I would say, hey, if somebody's high capacity, look out for this or watch this or whatever it might be. I think there's a number of different things, but I think it all comes back to that individual person. Um, and so I think, it's, I think it's good just to be aware of, hey man, you want these people on your team, but there's just things you've gotta know when it comes to high capacity people, generally like things like that. But I think specifically it gets, it's all over the map because everybody's so different. Because I just think about our team and I don't know that there would be one rule of thumb for all of our high capacity people, but I know each of them we've got to deal with directly and go, hey, I've, I've seen this. You need to watch out for this or be careful or, you know, talking about boundaries and different things. So yeah, that's, I like that. Anybody else have thoughts on that? All right, two minutes till. I've never heard anybody complain about dismissing church early, so um, go ahead and finish up our time together and uh, cut you guys loose. For those of you here in the room, uh, feel free, stick around. I told every, every month I tell you this, um, there are people in this room that might be the solution to your problem. So uh, don't just rush out, take a minute, talk to some people. Uh, if there's somebody that said something in the room you wanna connect with, make sure you take a minute and do that as well. For those of you that are watching online or listening to the podcast, thanks for joining us. Let me pray us out and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for the leaders that are here in this room, those that are watching and listening online. And I just pray your blessing on us, God. I pray as we leave this place and as we go back to our jobs and our, our different roles, our families, God, you would help us to lead really well um, in whatever capacity we are in, no matter what our role is, I pray that ultimately uh, we're gonna lead a little better and it's gonna bring you glory. So God, have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us, guys. Stick around as long as you need to. I'm glad you're here. Hope to see you this weekend. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. 
Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.